What's up, everyone? This is your host, Daniel. And Javi, and you're listening to the Brown Sound Podcast. We're just two brown best amigos talking about everything and anything through a Latino and indigenous perspective. In this podcast, we uplift indigenous and Latino insights on a variety of topics that highlight the intersectionality of both cultures. Expect some tears, joy, and definitely laughter. Imagine chilling with your two best friends, talking smack, and throwing a little shade. <laughs> <laughs> What is up, amigos and amigas? This is Javi and Daniel with the Brown Sound Podcast, back for our season four, episode five. And today is a good day. What is up, Daniel? <laughs> hey, what's going on? Uh, before we start, I did want to throw a little disclaimer why my voice sounds the way it does. You know, finally, after three years, um, I got COVID. So, <laughs> so I mean, I'm, I don't uh, to laugh at it, but <laughs> so I'm home. I'm home and quarantined. I'm doing okay. It definitely knocked me down the first day, but so but you know we got to provide our episodes out weekly. So here we are. Javier forced me to be here today. Um, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. No, that's that's so. Are you having a quarantini? Yes. To get better? Are you? What are you doing right now? <laughs> I am actually having a, a nice uh, thirst quencher, lemon lime Gatorade. Uh, I've been drinking a lot of water, but you know I'm trying to make the best out of it. Hopefully I'll be. No you know on the better end soon but yeah thanks thanks covid yeah <laughs> no chicax i'm and you know i've been since you let me know you had it i've been checking up on you and um you know chicax i wish i lived closer because then i could drop off of good caldo for you like that's that's a go-to uh mexi remedy <laughs> yeah i definitely need <laughs> some good caldo de pollo and it'll make you feel better need some. i feel like i need it you know but uh it's it's okay you know i've been doing the home remedies you know the mountain tea the cow's cow stuff like that some of our own traditional medicine so i'm <laughs> I'm surviving. I'm surviving. Y'all nice. surviving. <laughs> well, Chikex, I was going to ask you uh, before we transition into introducing, because today's going to be a good day. We It's going to be a good day for many reasons. We actually have a special guest with us today, and we'll be introducing her here in a second. But I wanted to touch uh, back with you about last week. You shared you had a lot of commitments for some engagements coming up. And mm-hmm. I want to ask you, how did that fashion show go? Yeah, the fashion show was awesome. Um, I got to give a huge shout out to Janelle Yearout, who is with our Nimipu Community Development Fund department here. They do awesome, awesome work in like the small business development in our area. And I got to give a shout out to Kellen Lewis, who also was a co-MC of the fashion show. So we both got to MC. Um, I'm just going to say it because everyone else already did. Uh, we were definitely very entertaining and we were, <laughs> you know, we kept the crowd going. We were in, you know, very interactive with the crowds. It was awesome. So shout out to Nimipu Fund. Oh, and Salilo Miles. Salilo Miles, one of our own Poo models who uh, directed the show. And there were some other people there, too. I can't really remember. Um, horrible names. Can't remember the names. But shout out to them, too. They were there. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was it was fun. The fashion show was it was just dope to see. And it was what our community needed. We lost two community members last week. So the energy was definitely very heavy. But to have an event like the fashion oh, wow. show, it, uh, it came yeah. at the perfect time. Just kind of uplift everyone's spirit. And then I also got to sit on a panel for Native. Uh, our 
digital media and native communities. So I got to sit on that panel with John Spruce and Kellen and Michaela. And so that, that went really well. It was pretty cool to hear um, everyone's questions and everyone's experience. So I just got to give a huge shout out to Janelle and Nimi Poo Fund for putting on an awesome event and including me. It was just pretty cool. Yeah, no. Well, and then I heard that you got to strut it down the runway. Is that true? Yes, I actually did. Well, the crowd was hyping us up. They were wanting us to walk down the down the runway early. And I was like, nah, I'm going to give this like I'm going to play with a little bit, you know, make them make them wait. And so towards the end, I uh, I had the crowd say they're like, Daniel, Daniel. And so I had to uh, walk, had to show them. <laughs> Show them, show them how it's done, you know. Uh, yeah, it was, it was cool. It was definitely a really fun event. And hopefully it yeah, keeps no. continuing to, to happen. Well, two more things, ChickX. People told me that you dropped it low and that you also uh, talked about being a Kachina. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I didn't drop it nowhere. Um, so whoever told you that was lying. But, oh, yeah, so the run of the joke. So earlier that day on the panel, uh, Janelle, she was like, after we're done with the media panel, she was like, like, oh, share about your other business, you know, about the cochina. And I was like, the what? You know, and, and some of the some of the Latinos in the crowd are laughing because they're like, huh, you know? And I was like, well, cochina means like dirty or, you know, it's kind of like a dirty word. And so Janelle, she she was getting terrorized the rest of the night because people were like, I was teasing. I was like, who told you? Hey, I've changed my ways. No, <laughs> but it was funny. She was talking about when, how we would sell tacos here on the res. Because when we, back then, you know, we sold tacos, we called it the cocina but not cochina so she thought That's, it was yes. it was it was funny though that that was like the running joke of the night <laughs> <laughs> No, I love that. Oh, you know, Cheek I wasn't there, but all I've heard is good things about the event and uh, you emceeing with Kellen. So just wanted to highlight that a little bit because I, I asked it on purpose. How did it go? I heard it went great and you just confirmed that. So kudos yeah, to was... you. Keep doing the great work and supporting your community, Cheek It was dope. I'm all was very dope. proud of you over here <laughs> in Caldwell. <laughs> all right, Cheek uh, let's take the time then to introduce our special guest of the day. So this person I've known for both of us have known her for many years. We were actually up at U of I around the same time. And, uh, you know, we, we definitely saw each other and hung out um, a few times. Um, but now this person is a, you know, big community advocate, a big community leader. She's inspiring. She's out there uh, fighting for injustices. She's highlighting um, issues that pertain to the Latino community and other communities. I think she also owns a business. She's an entrepreneur. Everybody here, if you're anybody... Anybody who's anybody knows Estefania, and that's who we have today, Estefania Mondragon, who's the executive director of Poder of Idaho that we've highlighted before um, in on the episode. But um, yeah, without further ado, everybody there sitting in your car, give a big round of applause Woo! and a big brown sound welcome for Estefania Mondragon. Estefania, how are you? Good. Hi, everyone. That was such a great intro. I'm like beaming. Thank you, Javier. I'm excited to be here with both you and Daniel. Um, I'm a big fan of the podcast and I listen all the time. So I'm excited to um, to be here and be a guest today. Thank, no, thank you. Same. We're big fans of you too and all the work you're doing. Um, Estefania, I, you know, we, we got to talk a little bit and I, again, we've been friends for, for a while now, We've known each other for a minute. Um, I wanted to jump into the episode by, you know, having you maybe share a little bit on yourself if you don't mind like you know where'd you grow up uh you know what what's inspired you to kind of get to where you're at what's led to where you're 
for you to be where you're at. And and then we'll, maybe we'll be able to jump into a little bit of the work that you're doing with all, all the good things that you're doing. Big questions. Yeah. So yeah, I'll introduce <laughs> myself. I'm Estefania. Um, for work, I'm the executive director of Poder of Idaho. It's an organization that um, organizes and mobilizes the Latino immigrant community here in Idaho uh, for social change. Yep. So we focus on uh, four issues, but like uh, five if we're being, um, if we're being, <laughs> if, I, if I'm being honest. <laughs> so we focus uh, primarily on immigration reform. That's kind of how we got started. Um, we were started by uh, yep. folks that were focused on DACA in 2016. As we know, 2016 was a big year mm-hmm. for immigration. Um, there was a lot of changes um, and many of them were negative against, uh, you know, against immigrants and against our community right. um, because of the yep. Trump administration. So, um, but what we know is, you know, a lot of American presidents have been bad, <laughs> have not been the greatest on immigration. Yep. See, um, we know that Obama kind of expanded the internal enforcement and, and of course, the, you know, stay, stay in Mexico uh, type of rules. Um, so what we saw is, you know, we saw a ramping up of, of enforcement and, of course, of um you know, criminalizing and just um, scapegoating immigrants in 2016. Um, and we saw that there was a lot of folks doing work uh, here in Idaho around providing services for immigrants. But what we didn't see was a lot of advocacy. Yeah. So, um, you know, we were a group of like young, young-ish, um, young punks that were on a Facebook messenger group. <laughs> of course, like I'm probably aging myself because... <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, you know, I'm still on Facebook, but you know, but yeah, elder millennial. Well, I guess, I guess, I would be a middle-aged millennial, but <laughs> just go with. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, have you heard the have you heard the term geriatric millennial? No. <laughs> That's not- <laughs> that, that's a that's a term that's a term that's used on us. <laughs> I I like that. I like whoever came up with it. <laughs> I like the elder yeah. term, but I'm probably somewhere in the middle. Middle aged millennial. Anyways, I digress. Sorry. Um, and Estefania, um, so we attended the University of Idaho together. Um, how did you get interested kind of into like advocacy work and working with like immigrant, the immigrant community? Um, and then where did you find all this confidence? Because t- personally for me, I'm like, you are so confident. You are so like, just you're a go-getter. I mean, not to not to bring up things that maybe you don't want to bring up and we can cut this out if you want. Uh, but uh, you've, you've even been arrested at the Capitol because you, you were so like you believe in the truth and the power of what you're advocating for and you're like willing right to even step into that to, to that light where you know those things could happen how do how do i become confident like you i want i want to be like you when, when i grow up like how, how do i get there um that's funny I'm like, <laughs> I, I, I swear i'm like double guess myself all the time and it's something i'm actually working with on my with my therapist so that's awesome i'm glad that um, someone thinks i'm confident <laughs> Just know that the whole process, I'm double guessing myself and being like, "Hey, am I? I not do this?" But no, that's great to to know that you know folks are you know find mm-hmm. you know find me to be confident because it's definitely something I'm working on. But um, I guess yeah. I'll start where it all started. You know, um, I guess I'm becoming a little more confident in my skills 
and kind of what I bring to the table. Um, just yeah. based on I've been doing this forever. So I actually started uh, yeah. within advocacy and activism when I was 17 years old. So I was just a high school kid wanting to go to college, didn't know really how. Um, I was a first generation college student. Parents are immigrants from Guanajuato. So shout out to all my friends yeah. from Guanajuato. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and you know, I was this athlete in school as well. And I was just kind of really excelling in high school. I was kind of like a nerdy jock, I would say. <laughs> and like, I always knew <laughs> I would go to college. I just didn't know how I was going to do it. So, um, you know, I was looking for different um, organizations to become a part of. And I remember actually was just thinking about this the other day, um, how I was part of a Leo club at Nampa High School. Even though I went to Skyview High School, I was part of the Leo club at Nampa <laughs> High School. Don't ask me how that happened. But um, <laughs> that's kind of how I got started. I was like, okay, I should probably do some volunteer work. Um, and, and, you know, I was nerdy enough where I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. <laughs> it's kind of cool to give back to your community. Yeah, yeah. So it's always kind of something that I, I wanted to do. It wasn't like, oh, I want to go to college. I should. It looks good on a like resume or whatever. I've never really been about right. the resume. It's been more about, oh, this feels good. Let's do it. It's cool. It's fun. I'm going to do it. And so yeah. uh, we so joined Leo Club and got connected to one of my first mentors, which was Maria Mabit. Now her name is Maria Cardenas uh, Gonzalez. So or Gonzalez Cartes. Okay. And she's a pretty big community leader here locally. Um, she's written a couple of books. Um, I think her most recent book highlights uh, Latina leaders here in Idaho. So shout out to her. Um, and yeah. what the work that she's done is she takes young people on her wing and, um, and she's just so knowledgeable. She's been an activist for the majority of her life i think since she was in high school um and she's a she's an older yeah. person right so she's she's been at it for for decades um and has won some of the bigger fights here in idaho including minimum wage for farm workers she was a big part of that wow. that struggle so um so you know started volunteering for her um connected through leo club and uh you know she put us to work and she taught us everything she knew <laughs> around uh voter registration there was uh uh, this organization no longer exists, but it's the Idaho. Um, gosh, I already forgot. It's I I C I R E Idaho uh, Coalition. I, I can't even remember the acronym, but um, it was. Um, <laughs> I, but it was for research, re research and education as it uh, pertained to the Latino community. And within that organization was a project called Idaho Latino Vote, which is where I kind mm -hmm. of got to start. Um, I was canvassing uh the north side of nampa and for any of you, you all that are from nampa or no nampa that's where you know a large latino community lives um we're fairly concentrated there mm -hmm. um fairly low income community uh, a lot of folks don't go in there uh for some reason yep uh you know that's where i got my my activist start you know started uh doing door to door and registering latinos to vote mm. what we saw was kind, awesome. of, kind of interesting because it was like um a lot of folks you're like oh you know, I've never been contacted to to vote. Um, what is this about? And, you know, we would just do education right there on the doorstep and, and tell them, hey, this wow. is you're eligible to vote. Some folks were like, well, I had a felony, so I can't vote anymore. The judge told me I can't vote anymore. And um, we're like, actually, that's not true. And we did a lot of like yep. busting. And then um, from that came a lot of advocacy around um you know, putting that um, that felons, uh, past felons can vote on the voter registration form in Idaho. So um, it's right on the form. Folks don't have to get double guess. 
um, and they're they're able to register to vote even if they they were formerly incarcerated. So you know that really got me. Um, it got me exposed to a lot of different things and a lot of different people, and yeah. um, really built my my skills as an activist that then I continued on throughout college and course post grad. Yeah. No. And and like I said, you highlighting Mar- Maria. Um, Because I I know about her, too, and I know about some of her work. Um, And now you're like the Maria of these younger generations. You know what I mean? Like (laughs) We will talk about Estefania. Same. Those same thoughts come to mind. Literally. Like, I, it's weird because when I moved back down to the area, um, to Caldwell area, people would talk about you. And they'd say, oh, yeah, Estefania Mondragon. Uh, Because at that point, you had begun to work uh, maybe with Poder, but in other capacities. And you kind of moved your way up into the role you have now. Uh, But I'm like, oh, I know her. I, I went to college with her. You know what I mean? Like, I know her from college. And uh, just to hear people have, like, high thoughts about you for, you know, the efforts you were putting out. It's like, you know, I don't know. It makes me proud to know, like, people that are making a difference. It's like my c- claim to fame through you. I'm like, oh, yeah, I know her. So I, I feel like I... <laughs> I'm contributing somehow because I know, but um, no, the the other thing I, the other thing I wanted to talk to you about Estefania was not too long ago in a different role that I was in, you and I got to work together um, where you came in uh, with Poder to talk a little bit on an initiative you had going on for uh, farm working women, I believe. So the conversation was around the, the experience that these women were having on the job site. And I want to talk about a little bit about that. If you don't mind sharing what that was like what was some of the feedback and and yeah let's let's go let's let's start there yeah um so we you know I've been doing some work um, around gender issues and gender violence for the past, I want to say six years now. So um, I started um, that work through the Idaho Coalition Against Sexual and Domestic Violence. Shout out to them. They've helped yep. out so much. Um, and really, that's kind of where I got my skills to work on this issue, you know, and working at the intersections of um, gender violence, racism, yep. uh, xenophobia, um, all the isms, right, um, that our fam- that our families and our and, um, communities are set susceptible to while they're on the job and even in their personal lives um so so i did a lot of work within the latino community um working on gender violence and and those types of issues and really getting to the core of why you know why violence happens within our communities um and i took a really decolonized approach you know i've been mentored by some really great people nationally that do decolonizing work as it pertains to gender issues. Um, And so wanting to bring that lens to Poder as I, you know, as I built up this organization and within it, we got a, we got a small grant to do some listening sessions through the Department of Health and Welfare. Um, And we did five listening sessions with farm worker women uh, across Southern Idaho. So we did, you know, one in Caldwell, we did one in Twin Falls, one in um, in Mountain Home, and then two in Burley. Um, Burley was so big, we actually had to split yeah. into two. <laughs> so we did two groups of 15 wow. people. Yeah, the community there is just like ready to organize and ready to, to create change. This is what I've noticed in Burley. So shout Love out to Love that. Them. Yeah. Um, so we did these listening sessions. And, you know, of course, when you're talking about gender issues and like gender violence, those are like really personal topics. And it can get like, you know, people yeah. are hesitant to talk about that. And, and I understand that, right? We try to come through it through a trauma-informed lens, right? So. So, um, mm-hmm. and of course, 
cultural lens, right? So these are women that remind yep. me of my tias. They remind me of my mom, um, my grandma in some cases, right? Um, but we would all come into the room and they were willing to be there and talk and would, you know, throw out some questions. And um, I was partnering with Dr. Nevea Castaneda, um, and she, you know, her she did her dissertation on on gender violence within uh, Latinx communities, and so yeah. I, and she uses decolonizing methods. So you know, we really set up this uh, this methodology and this project in a way that was uh, culturally relevant to our families, right? You know, um, okay. we when we go into listening sessions, it can feel clinical, but in our case, we made it so it was like a talking circle, right? Which I know, Daniel, like um, folks in, from the Native communities, it's it's a healing experience, right? Um, from what I've heard, I've never been a part of a Native uh, uh talking circle but but we we utilize some of those same um characteristics in the listening sessions of hey we're here to eat together we're here to kind of be in community together and yeah talk about um some of these issues but some of these issues that you know you've experienced or you've dealt with or you've had friends or helped friends um and family members deal with um all this information is going to go back so that we can create campaigns that are going to help change um, yeah. change as in less violence within our communities so those circles were so great they were like i cried i laughed you know it was just amazing to be part of that experience yeah um estefania if you if you don't mind sharing what are some without sharing anyone's name or you know any personal information what are some of the like common themes that you heard in those conversations for these women so we did a a report based on these listening sessions and what we found was you know there's just a resilience within our community and i know you all probably talked about this before but you know it's just amazing to be in those spaces and be with them and then you know they're telling a story about wage theft or they're telling a story about you know uh, or about their own their own like violence against them and you know after they'll you know even crack a jokes you know and that's like you know it can be a form of masking the pain but also can be a form of healing right it's like oh i went through this really Mm -hmm. traumatic situation but now i'm here in community and i'm able to talk about it openly and i'm able to share it without you know these really Mm -hmm. intense emotions coming out and actually like make it relatable for folks through humor so um that was just like the biggest takeaway um some of the findings we found is fear is a huge thing within our community so fear to speak up uh many women you know aren't that that deal with gender violence whether it's domestic violence sexual violence or workplace sexual harassment or assault they're they're scared to speak up right um so you know because sometimes in these really rural communities there's only one employer in the whole in the whole city or in the whole area and They, so if they speak up, they they could lose their job. Um, the other part of it is many of these women are undocumented, right, and only speak Spanish or are li- limited English speaking, and you know they don't know where like where to speak up. And then if they do, they're scared yeah. that they're going to be detained and deported because they're they're trying to make a report. And what we saw um, with the state, um, our friends at the Department of Labor, what they've told us is there's only one to two complaints um, coming from from agriculture. Every Every two years so one or two complaints sometimes there's zero so and what we know wow. from, you know just being latinx and immigrant living living in idaho what i know is right. uh, you know it happens more more than that i i went in this knowing that and then of course when we did listening sessions it was like you know 
most of them have experienced workplace sexual harassment and sexual assault. Yep. And that just confirms what we suspect that people aren't reporting because they they don't they don't have that knowledge for where to go. And if they're too scared, of course, they wouldn't. That's uh, that's so frustrating. Um, so with the with the information you were able to collect, um, then you went about sharing that with the community at large, right? With the reports you created, and hopefully that's helped kind of lead some change for for the community, and hopefully we can have different outcomes to support that population. Yeah. So um, we we've we've done that report. Um, we still have the listening sessions, and what's cool is what's come from it is when we were doing the report is we saw that our communities are really under-researched. Um, when we, you know, Dr. Neveka Senyela, she has a PhD, and in her in her research, she was really struggling to get data from Idaho. So um, our communities, nobody talks to us, you know, nobody documents yeah. our stories. There's not an archive of, of data coming from our communities. You know, there's been some great work in the past. Um, there's a book called Los Los Mundos uh, that was written by... Yeah at BSU and I absolutely love that book and it's amazing and it really was written so many maybe 50 years ago and the the issues are still the same today so it really shows that you know we've moved the mark wow. on things but there's just a systemic issue you know there's some this systemic oppression that we need to overcome and I'm seeing signs that we're overcoming it but um one yeah. of the main ways to do it is through research and, and reaching out to our community and telling them not just tell us your stories, you know, share your stories with us. It's also like, how do how do you see the solution? Because they're the experts in their own lives. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know I had some questions before, but I think I'm just going to let uh, Javi take over this this episode because of the COVID. It's kind of messing with my lungs a little bit, so <laughs> I, I'm getting a little winded. But uh, just, you know, putting this disclaimer out there, people are probably wondering, like, why is Daniel so quiet? <laughs> because uh, I have COVID. I can barely breathe. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But uh, I guess I can just ask one question. One would be like, I know we mentioned on the podcast before about the Brown Pride uh, um, the protests that happened at Caldwell High School. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? And um, what do you think like the school district could have did, I don't know, I guess better with, with how that all played out? Yeah. Um, so with the Brown Pride protest, it was um, a protest of, led by young people, which, you know, people think that we had something to do with that. We, we didn't, actually. That was a a protest that started from you know youth and they're seeing um, injustices within their their school and wanting to address it and do something about it and of course for me as an activist and organizer and just uh, you know elder millennial <laughs> I was just <laughs> these Gen Zers just kind of you know organized within their school and really kind of you know they had press there they had you know they were well organized i was like wow this is like a professional level protest um <laughs> it was done by folks that you know haven't had like activist training and it was just so amazing to see it's yeah. awesome just seeing the leadership within students right now mm -hmm. and and the next generation yeah. it just makes my heart happy um but what doesn't make me so happy of course is you know the targeting of latinx students um and of course what we know is the systemic issues of the you know higher uh discipline rates and um disproportionate discipline within schools and of course the silencing and um of Latino students um, it is a systemic issue. And what we know right. is, you know, the people's voice, people's rights, students' rights don't stop at, you know, the school, at the schoolhouse door. You know, we have right. Right, 
students have rights within their school and are able and you know they're able to use their first amendment rights to protest so big hats off to them um i didn't so i just saw the amazingness that was the organizing within the school from the students and how it made national news i was just like wow my hats off to these students yep i think what i i really kind of got really mad um i had like a a little freak out moment and i don't have a lot of freak out moments anymore nothing really surprises me after you know i guess almost 15 years of organizing (laughs) wow i'm old wow (laughs) (laughs) you know i usually tend to like not get too mad anymore uh just because i've almost seen it all but and keep seeing more unfortunately with all the laws they're making uh shout out to the iowa legislator but you know see but i really (laughs) did get in my feelings and i got angry and almost and i was kind of trying to unpack that a little bit. I'm like, why am I so angry? Like I was a, I was like yep. trying to calm myself down because I was about to drive to Caldwell and just start protesting. <laughs> with them. I chained myself to the door or something. I'm no, just kidding. <laughs> no, it's all jokes. But um, no, but I did see that. And what I was unpacking was, you know, I was dealing with these issues when I was in high school, right? I remember having a yep. high school teacher, you know, tell me to, only speak English in class and you know I, yeah. I've always been kind of a young punk and a little bit of outspoken and a cabrona so <laughs> hopefully I, I don't know if I'm <laughs> but yeah you, you can say all you want here okay. <laughs> I've always been a little spicy so um I you know I would talk back to my teacher not saying young people should but I did um right I had my my Mexican friends in the class and I would speak Spanish to them. We'd just be doing our homework in Spanish and all of a sudden the teacher right. had an issue with it. And it's like, you know, you need to speak English when you're in this class. And I'm like, well, you need to learn Spanish, you know, and talk back to them. Oh, good, good. <laughs> well, uh, luckily I didn't get in trouble, but, <laughs> but you know, just kind of kept them on their toes, right? But, you know, it-, it Good, it, good. It took me back to those days, right? Of like being a student, having this older person tell you, you can't, you can't express yourself um, just even by doing yeah. that, right? Um, or wearing cultural garb or whatever it is, you know? Um, right. And for me, it was just like brought this, and even talking about it, I can feel myself like clenching my, my fist and stuff. And it's like, <laughs> it just brings out this anger in me. It's like, you know, we're still right. dealing with this, like called right. like almost uh, probably close to 50% Latinx students. Yep. This shouldn't be happening in these majority Latinx school districts. Right. It's like they like, right. In the last 15 years, like we haven't had any cultural programming, especially in these highly popular Latinx districts, like Brown Pride is a call to action. It's like a a call to activism, right? It it is the antithesis of of white supremacy. It's us being empowered and, and feeling pride in our culture that really gets um you know looked over or put to the side by by white america and mainstream and mainstream culture here in america and to show cultural pride is to show right. yourself and you know when we're the majority in some of these districts we don't need to be showing ourselves anymore right like we should be it we have right. like our populations there we have we are here it's like now what right you know instead of you scapegoating or what's you know criminalizing or whatever it is uh the word is i can't can't think of it right now but instead of like gaslighting comes to mind too all of it instead of 
you know, doing that for brown pride, right? Instead of scapegoating, criminalizing brown pride, how about we start doing some Chicano studies in those schools, right? There's no reason why we shouldn't be teaching Chicano studies when it's the majority Mexican-American or Latinx students in those schools. Right. Um, We are no longer the minority. It's time for these school districts to start catering to us and and how we learn. And there's data out there that shows, you know, cultural pride and having Chicano studies actually um, increases students, um, I forget the word for it, but it it increases their, their learning across all subjects, not just history not just you know that it increases their ability to learn and language math all of that and it's because of that form of empowerment right students feel empowered to know that there's their history and to know where they come from yeah estefania when i was thinking about that too as it came up i also was filled with similar feelings. Um, And part of me, I also started to think about, you know, if they had Latino folks in those um, leadership positions across the district uh, from, you know, anyone from a superintendent to principal or more more instructors or teachers that were Latinos, I I don't feel like it would have escalated to the level um, that it did, right? Because then those folks would have been able to step in and say, hey, I think you're considering this from the wrong perspective. Consider this. Um, this term is not gang related because I think that was the message, right? Brown yeah. pride is is a gang term or it's a it's a it's a gang. Um, and that was problematic because it seemed like a very single, narrow minded view on on why this was so problematic. Um, and I feel like I feel like they could have done more, like listen to the students, listen to the community, like all that would have been impactful. Um, and if and if you don't know and you made a mistake, then just say that. Say say I I you know I wasn't educated on this matter. We jumped the gun on making decisions. Um, we didn't handle this situation well. Just say that, and we'd have more respect for it, right? Um, and now use this opportunity to learn to learn. And how are we going to manage this moving forward if an incident comes up again? Um, and then there was more issues with this too because then there was like white pride uh, that was sprayed on the building. Um, remember that and. Th- yeah, I don't know that situation escalated to a lot, lot of thoughts on that because of administration just like not handling it well. And what we're seeing is, you know, this is mm-hmm. just the tip of the iceberg. Unfortunately, when it comes to Idaho is, you know, we're hearing things happening in the Napa school district and the, you know, Blaine school district and all over Idaho, really Jerome. I, I hear stories from all over the place of students really, you know, being told, you know, they they can't speak Spanish or even more like really horrible things that I'm just like, how can adults handle this situation so horribly? You know, there was a story I heard in Caldwell of a yeah. of a teacher yanking a rosary from a kid's neck. Like, I'm like, how does wow. it get worse than that? And it's just like, I, I think at this point is I'm glad that people are, I'm glad that students are advocating for themselves, but I think it's also time for yep. the community to come together and really put pressure on these school districts and be like, hey, this is unacceptable. <laughs> behavior this is not not culturally mm-hmm. sensitive it's actually very racist white supremacist behavior um and you know we have some demands for you to to, ch- to change this um and luckily yep. we've started a group where we're we're gathering let 
Latinx organizations together to talk about education issues um, and talk about you know, what 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 changes do we want to see in these school districts um, and and how do we want to handle situations um, should they arise again because um, from how I'm seeing it is administrat- administrators are escalating situations instead of de-escalating the situation and so um, right. I, I think Caldwell is just going to keep protests like Caldwell are just going to keep happening until you know until folks get it that there's a way to treat Latinos and and you know you have to take our stories you have to take our culture into consideration um and not criminalize or you know yeah not criminalize it the other thing I was thinking about Estefania is that some of the school districts might also be doing some good things right like maybe they're supporting our Latino communities through uh, education or maybe there's cool programs right for informing students of like how to go to college or navigating different situations that you know um for whatever reason, most students wouldn't have access to that information. But when something like this happens, it overshadows and overpowers anything that the school districts are doing at that point, because because this is huge. Not only did it affect that student, it affected our all of our community, and then it resonated nationally. Think about that. Um, and, and the impact it had on, on Latinos nationwide because it, it went big and even global, I bet. I saw it on TikTok, right? And that that thing is a, it's a world thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Where, yeah. And that's embarrassing too. <laughs> if the world gets to see how we... <laughs> How oh how how we you know how our decisions are affecting right it it's it's just embarrassing and so anyways we all obviously have a lot of of thoughts on that Daniel Nine an episode uh, when that happened also had a conversation about it because um, I asked them you know do folks in your community use Native Pride and we said yeah and students have used it before and no one's upset about it because they just know they just know that you know that students don't mean it in any kind of way that would affect the community negatively that's not part of a it's not part of a gang thing it's not that's not what it means at all the community gets it we're we're prideful of our culture of our traditions it's a way to be resilient to how the world oppresses us and engages with us um it's it brings our community together and it's like wow wow your community just gets it right and if anyone says otherwise the administration steps in and says you're thinking about this the wrong way let's educate you um so that you understand that moving forward and it's like wow how can we get to that point (laughs) how do we get there um right anyways i i don't want to focus all of our episode on that so uh (laughs) i don't want people frustrated and stuff we had to change the mindset and our focus uh i i wanted to touch a little bit on two things that you are currently working on with poder of idaho and that is the manejando sin miedo uh initiative that you have going on um i was hoping you can share a little bit on that and then also uh the latinos unidos conference that's going on at NNU. So would you mind sharing a little bit on both of those things? Those are super cool things that you're working on. Yeah, no, we've put in a lot of work for both both things and I'm excited to be able to be here and talk a little bit more about it. Um, So I'll start off with the Manejando Sin Miedo campaign because we're actually wrapping up that campaign right now. Um, So Manejando Sin Miedo is a campaign that started two years ago. Um, We did listening sessions across across Idaho um, in Latino communities. Uh, Latino folks and asked, what are the biggest issues affecting you and time and time again we heard driver's licenses and whatever happened to the driver's license campaign that was happening like a decade ago and we're like well you know mm-hmm. it didn't go through right and they're like well it'd be great if we could get licenses because this is where a lot of the um where undocumented folks are having a lot of trouble 
right? And of course, if right. they're mixed addicts families, you know, that could cause them to, and we've heard stories of people getting pulled over and being detained in front of their families, right? So what we wanted to do is how can we make a state solution to a federal issue? Right. And that's through the driver's licenses campaign. Right. And we got connected with Movimiento Cosecha, which is a national organization uh, that's really launching the Manejando Sin Miedo campaign. It's, it has it in Georgia and New Jersey. I know they've had some recent wins. There's there's campaigns yeah. happening all over the U.S. And uh, we thought we'd bring it here. And we got a really yeah. good. We started the campaign. Uh, we were going to launch it in 2019 and ended up wanting to launch it in 2020. But what we knew what we know is what happened in 2020. <laughs> uh, so we launched a digital campaign and we did get like 1,500 signatures, which was really great. Um, we heard that there were some folks also working on this issue from one of our board members, uh, Susie Rios, that lives in Twin Falls. She's like, hey, this group called the Dairymen's Association is actually working on this issue currently. You guys should talk to them. So we talked to them and um, talked to their lobbyist, Bob Nurabout. Um, and, you know, he's an older, uh, a white white guy. Uh, he'll say that himself, and you know, <laughs> we're really apprehensive at first, just because you know. In most cases, we're probably not not on the same wavelength when it comes to politics and for the majority of issues. Right. That specific issue, you know, we decided, hey, there's strength in numbers. Let's work together. And of course, that yeah. we started off kind of like circling each other, like, oh, is this gonna work? This feels kind of uncomfortable. <laughs> like working with activists and us working with industry folks, it's just like that hurt my activist heart a little bit. But um, <laughs> but we, you know, we got to communicating and. It's all like, you know, you all you all actually really care about this issue. And that was interesting to see. And it really kind of took me like it took a step back on like, you know, them talking about why they want to focus on immigration after all these years of ignoring yeah. and, and saying, no, we don't hire undocumented people to all of a sudden going, yes, we hire undocumented people. Undocumented people are essential in our state and are essential to our industry. Yeah. And we want to see immigration yeah. reform because of that. And, you know, so they've done in the last 10 years, they've really come a long way. Um, I wish they would have came for it yeah. come this way a lot sooner, but they've come a long way. <laughs> and, you know, what, what really got me was when Bob was telling me his story while we were um, talking with um, some some of the legislators. And, and, you know, he said, well, a lot of dairy farmers here in the state are Dutch ancestry. So a lot of them have Dutch last names. You know, their grandparents were, were Dutch um, immigrants here in the U.S. And so they have that Im immigrant story as well. And what they saw is back 10 years ago was that there was raids happening in Twin Falls. And they said wow. they, they saw, you know, the internal enforcement happening and just like the trauma of that. Some of the, the folks that are dairymen that are Dutch uh, ancestry said, you know, when I saw this, I, I just couldn't have that happen in my community. I couldn't have people being rounded up and taken away from their families in front of me. Why? Because my grandparents wow. had to deal with this in Holland, in the Netherlands, um, during the First World War and the Second World War. We are not wow. stand for that this time around. And when he told that story, he was crying. And I was, you know, <laughs> it even makes me like, it shakes me to this day because I'm like, I. 
I have emotions from it right now too. Hearing that, I got like goosebumps. Oh my god! I'm having goosebumps like right now. Every time I tell it, and I'm just like, it just you know these cycles. It's, it's cycles we have to break. These cycles of violence and and yep. you know, working with domestic violence. It's political violence comes from the same thing, and that's what it is. It's political violence. Yeah. And um. And so it's like these these shared stories that I would have never thought we would share anything in common. It's like, wow, you actually really no. do get this issue. And I see why you're doing it. And yeah. I welcome you into this movement and let's work together. Um, and I never thought yeah. I'd say to an old white man, but now we're best friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. We solve, we solve our fights about a couple issues, but, um, but, you know, at least on this issue, we can see eye to eye. Yeah. Love it. Awesome. And so what's, where are we at with, or where, where is, is the campaign at right now? Like what's happened so far with, with that work? Yeah. So, um, two years ago, we introduced it as a, a driver's authorization card, which was a little bit different from a driver's license. This year we introduced it as a restricted driver's license. Um, and you know, what we heard from Republicans, the Democrats were on board and, and have been on board this whole time. Um, and as we know, we live in a super majority Republican state. So yep. the game really is courting Republican votes. So um, we, you know, we did a pretty intense analysis of who, which representative we were going to target and which ones we think, you know, target as in like, you know, go talk to them. Um, Bob was going to go talk to them. Um, that's what he does for work. He's a lobbyist. So he went and go, went, went to talk to them and seeing, Hey, would, you know, and asking them, will you vote on this issue? So we knew we had, um, we had to get through the Senate transportation committee first. Um, mm-hmm. We got, you know, and we, last year, uh, the bill died in the Senate transportation committee. It got a hearing, which was awesome which is the furthest it's ever gotten in the 20 years that this wow. campaign has happened through different organizations and different organizers um last year we got a hearing this year we got a hearing as well and i would have to tell you it was the most nuts experience i've ever gone through um because we went in oh there oh my gosh we knew like we i went in there and I'm maybe politically jaded, but I went in there knowing we were going to lose. I'm like, we don't have the votes. Yeah. Whenever you go into a hearing or a vote in the legislature and you don't know your vote count, that's not a good sign. So we went in there and I yeah. knew, oh, we don't have the votes. It's not going to happen. You know, her testimony, there was a lot of testimony that we packed the room with our people. One side was like farmers and ranchers and like business folks. And then our side was all Latinx folks. It was like amazing <laughs> to get that 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 uh broad tent of people <laughs> and you know what we heard was everybody's testimony right everything from you know hey i'm a child of immigrants this is how it affects my family to um you know business folks uh it was amazing to see business actually stand up and use some of our talking points i was like that would have not happened wow. even years ago so we are changing hearts and minds is kind of what i saw and because of that we actually yeah. made it out of committee which is the furthest it's ever gone it, and even bob nerbout from the dairyman said if it makes it out of the committee like it will take a miracle from god and literally happen so we got it past committee. Wow. <laughs> oh, wow. Floor for a vote. So yeah, it was out. I'm still kind of like, holy shit. <laughs> holy <laughs> That's awesome. I still haven't recovered from that. And so we were on the agenda to vote for a vote and um in the Senate and we were like, all right, so our strategy changes. We got the Democrats with who who of the who of the Republicans do we have to target? Right. And yeah. we did our little analysis and we only needed, I wanted to say 10 more votes. 
10 more Republican votes to pass the Senate. Wow. wow. And we, we had eight. So we needed just like a couple more. And we're like, okay, we're going to we're gonna pass it in the Senate. We're going to do this. And then uh, the House uh, leadership tells us that they're not going to hear it this year at all. So they're going to hold this bill. Wow. So it, all the gas we had, all the all the momentum we built was just kind of came crashing down because House leadership says we're not going to touch this with a 10-foot pole. Wow. And that's legal. Wow. Yep. Yeah. So House leadership can choose to hear or not hear a bill. It's called putting it in a drawer. So that's kind of what they did. They put the bill in the drawer. So we wow. did not get a driver's license this year. We did get this. It's ever gotten. Um, I'm pretty disappointed about it. We all, you know, got together right after and we were just kind of huddled up and, you know, we were a group of four and five doing this work, right? And we kind of and plus like the volunteers and activists in different areas in idaho right. gathered signatures we had a signature gathering campaign got more than ten thousand signatures from people across wow. idaho. um and that we know re- was really what pushed a lot of the republicans to vote yes it's like oh this thing there's actually a lot of community support from this so it that's the reason why I got the furthest ever gotten. Plus, we're constantly wow. building um, our support for the bill. You know, we have more industry folks, more farm folks, more contractors, insurance agencies. We had Mormon women for ethical government, the Catholic Church, Latino groups. All of us were just, you know, pushing for it. And, yep. uh, and I think that's, you know, what we got. You know, wasn't what we wanted, but we did win at the end of the day. We got it the furthest yep. it's ever gotten, and we're going to keep pushing. Um, and, you know, right now we're in the process of shaking the loss off. And, you know, we, we did our crying, and, and now it's um, now it's planning for the next next time around to see how, how much further we can push it. Wow. That's amazing, Estefania. That, uh, chills from all of that. And... <laughs> You know, super happy and excited for the, mm-hmm. for the wins because we got to take every win we get. We need to remember that. And, you know, furthest that's ever gotten, kudos to you and everybody else involved in those efforts because it wouldn't be where it's at, right? Yeah, and what we, what we saw, it's like, you know, it doesn't take anything special, right, to do this. It just takes, like, people getting together, really want, seeing, like, really seeing our power across the state. It's like, no, let's throw yeah. this mission together, see how far it goes. I think we have, we're going to have a lot of support. Um, there's no, there's not a lot of um, bills that really can bring communities together quite like the driver's license bill can. Um, and what we're seeing yeah. is even outpouring from other states. We had someone from California call us and was like, hey, I was a part of, I was a state representative in California when this bill was passed back then. And, you know, just seeing your campaign has really been amazing and, and seeing and seeing wow. bringing people together across industry, across race, across everything. So it's, yeah, I'm really proud of the work we're doing. It's pretty hard work. <laughs> I'm like, I'm I'm glad we get a yeah. little rest um, for a little bit, but you know, I'm proud. I'm proud um, that we're able to do this, and and you know, my job is to find funding so we can continue doing this work and and continue pushing for Latino issues because yeah. we're not not in the forefront that much on in the legislature. Yeah. Well, that makes me excited uh, for all the work that you will continue to do. That also, also touches a little bit into the Latinos Unidos Conference, right? Because that's a way to empower and inspire the youth to get involved, right? Yes, definitely. So um, we, this is the second annual Latinos Unidos Conference. We had our first annual last year. Um, 
And so we decided, you know, it was such a great event. Last year, we uh, had 200 people in attendance. Our limit was 150, but we pushed it to the limit and got 200 folks there. It was amazing to see just like everybody come together to make this conference possible. And we focused on the five issues that Poded works on, which is immigration, education, economic justice, um, gender issues. And then the fifth issue, which is not really an issue, it's more of like just a way that we organize is cultural work. So we did cultural work workshops we had cultural performances um we had the prayer of the four directions by some of uh, the latino spiritual workers through nuestra gente wellness and we you know want to bring that in our second annual uh conference as well so um bringing you know our ancestors we're bringing our 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 people our culture our music um, into a conference for everyone doing so having those spiritual cultural um, workshops as well as you know you get to learn the latest on research um, on gender issues on immigration on education on economic justice so um, and most of these speakers and facilitators are folks within our doing work within our community and most of them are latinx so it's amazing amazing to bring the expertise in community into a space for a day which this year uh we want to extend invite to everybody all the listeners um please help us get a word word out you're all invited to the second annual latinos unidos conference at northwest nazarene university on may 8th so it's a monday uh we are doing registration there is a cost associated and it's 35 dollars um there are scholarships available if you know that cost is an issue we can figure you know we can get you a code and um get you in and participating um so we're really excited that's amazing and um everybody listening we'll make sure to post uh poder's information on our instagram account um as a way for you to register if you're interested um and you'll be able to connect more with estefania and her team that way if you have any questions or follow-ups um so estefania thank you so much for yes, sharing definitely everything you've shared today. I am inspired. I had the chills. Uh, I was excited. <laughs> and, um, you know, I'm very hopeful because there's people like you and Poder and the community that will help um, that will help to continue to spotlight the injustices and actually do something about it to make a change mm -hmm. and make a difference. So I'm so honored to know you, uh, first of all, and so excited to uh, what else you'll be able to accomplish. And you're welcome back anytime on the podcast. Uh, for any reason, yes. please come back. We definitely want to spend time with you and, and, and keep the, the conversations going. Uh, Daniel and I now have a segment called Brown Noise that we hope you'll join us in. So we like to share, I need to, I need to be careful how I word it because last time I said we like to share our native tongues, but that doesn't sound <laughs> right. <laughs> um, we just want to share our language with the listeners. So I think the word we wanted to uh, share with y'all in Spanish and Nimiputemp is pride. So if um, if you wouldn't mind practicing with us, uh, Daniel, do you want to start? Let's do it. Yeah, so the same way with pride is also the same. I believe it's as similar as like I am grateful or, you know, things like that. Um, so to say pride in Nimiputin, the next first language, is Leloitswas. So like I am proud, Leloitswas. Leloitswas. Is that right? Leloitswas. Yeah. Leloitswas? Like that? Yeah, Leloitswas. Right? Yeah, they sound good. Leloitswas. Leloitswas. I cool. just love I feel like Estefania did it better. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> it was like I was hoping. <laughs> 
like, um, no, but I love that connection of pride and gratitude because I just love that. Yeah. And in Spanish, uh, to say pride, we would say orgullo. Tengo orgullo. I am prideful. Orgullo. Oh, do I have to say it? Tengo orgullo. <laughs> <laughs> there you go yeah I'm, I'm always surprised too by daniel because he's not a native speaker but he can definitely make his you know the sounds come out right i was gonna say his yeah. tongue to make the noises come out. i'm like i'm gonna work on my phrasing uh-huh. y'all. Yeah. <laughs> i'll just make me sound like i can oh, all these things with my tongue <laughs> All right, so we're going to wrap up this episode with our last segment. Estefania, this will be your first time doing the Shades of Brown Shady Questions. Um, And this is your first episode uh, for us. The Shades of Brown Shady Questions is a fun way Mm -hmm. to wrap up the episode in a, you know, community laughter type of way. And, uh, you know, the questions are can be a little bit challenging. And no matter how you answer them, uh, they could come off as a little shady, which is why we call it the Shades Brown Shady Question Round. Uh, so I know I've gotten in hot water sometimes in the past <laughs> episodes with friends and family. Um, I always sweat it out a little bit, but these are so fun. And this is one of uh, our listeners' favorite segments. So today, Estefania, we are going to ask three questions. If you feel um, empowered to, you can answer all three um and, but if you would like we ask everybody can only skip one absolutely so no matter what answer two is is that okay with everybody i'm game okay so the questions are and estefania we're probably gonna have you go first as our guest but daniel and i will also answer um question number one if you and five of your close friends were chosen to be the power rangers think the original ones uh thinking about their personalities which one would you be and which one would your friends be that's question one question two if you found a magic lamp and could make three wishes what would they be and why and then the third one is which celebrity have you been told you look like and do you agree and then the three of us will also uh share which celebrity we think each other looks like (laughs) so question number one uh close friends power rangers personalities oh gosh well i was a huge power ranger fan growing up so um for me um I, it doesn't really fit my personality anymore, but it fit my personality when I was growing up. I was the Pink Ranger. I loved Kimberly. So I still remember her name. So okay. Power Ranger for me. And then, um, so I'm just going to go with the Red Power Ranger because my brother and I used to play Power Rangers growing up. So he's definitely the Red Power Ranger. Shout out to Frank. Okay. Um, the Black Power Ranger is, let's see, who would be the Black Power Ranger? Um, I would say Eric, our... Uh, um, our organizer at Bold Ed would be the Black Power Ranger. Probably okay. share the title with Antonio. He's uh, okay. a friend and uh, also just like a huge supporter of Bold Ed. We, we mix business okay. with pleasure all the time. We bring our friends in. All <laughs> 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 campaigns. So they would probably tag team the black one. So who am I missing? The, blue, blue and red. Blue and- oh, no. Blue and yellow. Blue and yellow. So let's see. Blue would be, I know it's a guy, but um, in this case, it's going to be a girl. My homegirl, Ruby uh, Mendes Mota. She loves the color blue, so I'm going to put her as a blue ranger. And love it. That leaves the yellow ranger, which would be for Raquel. So. Okay, love it. So it's a lot of uh, family and poder mixed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Thing. All right, and then a magic lamp with three wishes. Magic lamp with three wishes. Oof. For, I would say the first one would be more wishes. I always thought about that. I'm like, oh, I'm going to go for smart unlimited wishes <laughs> is going to be the first one. And then, yeah, but if I had to keep it at three, um, I would do probably like a billion dollars. <laughs> so I can fund <laughs> And I can fund fund all kinds of cool causes, and of course, get it like a mega mansion. But because <laughs> yeah. I am selfish, I would like some. I mean, we all would if we had the yeah. opportunity. <laughs> I like nice things. Um, and then let's see. Uh, third wish, I'd probably be like um, just for like the health and happiness of myself and my family members and friends love it mm. and then last question uh which celebrity have you been told you look like and do you agree and then um which celebrities would you say daniel and i look like <laughs> <laughs> that's a hard one i feel like i'm really bad at this so i don't feel like i look like any celebrity right now but when i was younger people and i had black hair people would say selena i was like oh maybe okay <laughs> I didn't have like like yeah. our eyes are kind of um like more more pulled but i yeah. i don't so, yeah i would say selena when i was younger uh i was definitely better looking back then too <laughs> and um javier let's see i'm so bad at this um, oh, well, oh crap I can't, even think of, I can't think of any celebrities <laughs> I feel, probably the closest would be Jaime Camil. Oh wow, that's a that's a good looking guy. Thank you. <laughs> I'm like that's probably. The, <laughs> I'm like, I know. I'll just boost my ego up. Just lie. There's <laughs> <laughs> well, some, some similarities there. I think like just like your smile, his smile looked pretty, pretty similar. And then Daniel. Yeah, like, thank you, Daniel. Let's see. <laughs> well, I only got to see you for a little. Second, so I'm like trying to remember how you. <laughs> I'm like, I have your Instagram. Let's see. Gosh, I'm really bad at this. <laughs> I know I've had my camera. Just, just, oh, just you could be shady, Stefania. Go I'm like, just it. another another disclaimer. Uh, <laughs> although I have COVID, we record virtually, you know, so <laughs> we're not put that out there. So people think I'm just spreading, yeah. spreading the virus. Oh, so we record virtually, but I have my camera off. And for the readers, I'm for the readers, the listeners, I also have COVID, so I'm also quarantine <laughs> mask up and get your 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 vaccination yeah. it's going around this is um, a covid episode let's see i don't know i'm gonna look some folks up and see if i can come up with anybody and while while you're doing that we can uh let's let's skip to daniel and then we'll we'll circle back once you find daniel's celebrity <laughs> Okay. All right, so, Daniel, you're up. Okay. So, well, one, um, I don't even think I have five friends to like put in as a Power Ranger <laughs> uh, group. So I, and honestly, I don't, I didn't really watch Power Rangers growing up a whole lot. Like I was more into Ninja Turtles. So um, I might just have to skip that one. That might be my. <laughs> skip for this one but um, if i found a magic lamp it could make three wishes okay i would do the unlimited wishes too but since we had to choose three i'd probably do like you know billions of dollars um i'd probably do uh let's see just i guess good health for all of my friends and family as well i, I like that one and I would do, let's see, 
I would, I would, I would wish, I guess one wish would just be like to live in like a tropical area, like always get to be in like a nice tropical weather or something, whether it's like Florida or the Caribbean, I don't know, something like that. Um, and which celebrity have I been told I look like? I don't think I've ever been told I look like a celebrity. Um... <laughs> I don't know. Well, there's not that many native celebrities, okay? <laughs> so uh, I don't. I don't know. Um, I'll pick yeah. a Latino one. Oh, <laughs> yeah. just George Lopez. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> or what is the one that plays? What's the one that plays? <laughs> All uh, Gabriel Iglesias. All <laughs> just the big guys. <laughs> Um, and uh, which celebrity would I say you both look like? I would say Javi. I think I said yep. this the last time. What was the guy that plays on Ant Man? Remember uh, something? Michael Pena, right? Oh, the Latino. <laughs> yeah, the, the Latino guy in every in every cop movie. <laughs> <laughs> Javi, Javi Pena. <laughs> and for you, I would say, let me put, let me look up some celebrity. I don't know. I don't know what type, like, all. Um... Okay, we'll come back to you so you can think about it. Yeah. Estefania, did you find one for Daniel? So I'm going off that. So Ronnie Ch- Chang. Chang. Oh, okay. Daniel gives me that vibe. That guy, he's, he's a really comedian too. He's really funny. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, oh, you guys Are- have a. Essence. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll go, Daniel, while you think about it, okay? We'll okay. come back. So, five friends, Power Rangers. Okay, me, I'd be the blue one because he's nerdy. And I've, you know, that's, I like the blue one growing up. Um, I think, Daniel, I'd make you be the yellow ranger. Um, wasn't she the funny one? I can't remember. And then I think I'd just pick my siblings for the other one. So, my sister, the pink ranger. Uh, Lala would be the red ranger. And then Christian would be the black ranger because he used to dance. Um, back, do you remember when all the young kids, uh, Stephanie, we were around in college around that time, but they they did the um, the skinny jeans, uh, but in the different colors. Do you remember yeah. that one? That was a thing. And then they would they would dance. My little brother, he's gonna kill me. He and his friends would do little dance off videos on Facebook against other friends. Yeah. And I always think about that. Yeah, it, and I would show them off to my friends because I thought it was so cool. But he finds it embarrassing now that he's older. Um, yeah. Anyway, well, so that's that's yeah. Have a connection. Your little brother is, uh, I think this same age or used to play soccer with my little brother too yeah he did so and i think we ran into your little brother <laughs> yeah <laughs> they were both doing it we got to dig up videos so we could show um so if i found a magic lamp i would um unlimited wishes too but we can't do that um i would wish to have the power to heal people so like if anybody came with any kind of like illness or whatever i i would just like heal them i think that would be a cool power to have and then um also unlimited money and resources i think that obviously that makes your life easier um and then the last one would be because i've talked about i want to see the future um like immortality i guess to be able to live forever to see like what comes next what's you know what i mean no some of us it's like no hard pass on that <laughs> living forever is horrible i love living but forever maybe not so much <laughs> yeah <laughs> um and then what celebrity have you been told you look like and do you agree um i don't know i think i don't know i who have i been told i look like uh oh michael pena <laughs> <laughs> by daniel <laughs> 
<laughs> every time. Um, <laughs> so I just get, I just get to cheat on on that one. Uh, Daniel, I would say you remind me of uh, maybe Ernie from Ernie from uh, the Lopez show. Or what was that called? Ernie. <laughs> The best friend you you guys know who I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know who I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. I think uh, I came up with my celebrity too for I was looking up. Okay, I think, who would you say? I know there was some controversy with her in the media, like I don't know, I think it was like last year or something with some stuff, but but I think Juno Rodriguez, you know, I think that would be a good celebrity oh, doppelganger. She's a badass. Yeah. Yeah, I know there was like some controversy. Yeah. Like when I typed in oh, like yes. her name on, on on Google, there was like Juno Rodriguez, come under fire, bro. Over you of the i think she was saying the n-word or something <laughs> but anyways yeah, yeah Gina Rodriguez, oh, oh my god that one, but she's consistently getting clowned yeah and and you know what's weird that's who i was gonna say for estefania too um gina rodriguez <laughs> so yeah <laughs> I do not condone her action. <laughs> yeah, same. I, I don't know what Michael Peña has done, but same. Don't <laughs> yeah. I'm not, I'm not responsible for his actions. <laughs> he's an Avenger. <laughs> All right. Uh, did did we, anybody still have somebody to say? Yeah, he's an. Did anyone else have anybody else to celebrity? No, we good. I think so. Okay. All right. Well, let's wrap this. This is this has been one of our longer episodes. So let's let's wrap it up by saying uh, thank you again, Estefania, for all your hard work and efforts with Poder. Um, I feel so honored to know you uh, mm-hmm. because you're doing a lot of cool things and. The other thing is um, you're always welcome back. Anytime you want to come, please, please come back to the Brown Sound. Um, uh, And the other last thing that I wanted to touch um, is... Does anybody, do you both have anything, any last words before we close up? No, thank you for having me on the podcast. And uh, I appreciate being invited on and, you know, would love to come on more more often. I listen to you all a lot. So it's it's really cool. I'm, mm. I really love what you all are doing. And, you know, thank you for what you do as well. Thank you. No, um, feeling is very, very mutual. Yep. Um, all right, everybody. So if you haven't yet, please consider um, following us on Instagram at the Brown Sound Podcast. We'll make sure to put more information on the um, conference that Estefania shared about and some of that information on there for you. And, um, you know, if you haven't yet, consider giving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It does help us come up in searches. Um, and as always, we will continue to, you know, bring in quality people like Estefania mm-hmm. uh, who have um, like-mindedness and uplifting uh, our indigenous and Latino communities and all communities. Um, and we will see you next time. I Adios. Cut yo. And muchas gracias. For listening to the Brown Sound Podcast. We had a blast with y'all today, and make sure to tune in next time. To follow us more closely, check us out on Instagram at the Brown Sound Podcast. For partnership opportunities or just want to get a hold of us, you can shoot us a DM on Instagram. Disclaimer, the thoughts and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the hosts and hosts only.